We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live, out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. It's a, uh, another hot one in the bay. I think that was the, uh, you know, Sam, sometimes when you're so, like, you're so drunk or so hungover that you wake up in the middle of the night and you, like, still think you're in a dream, 4 a.m. comes around Sunday morning. Now, at this point, everyone knows. But you hear thunder and lightning. I literally thought I was in a dream, that it was happening. Turns out it's real life. I go on Twitter at 4 a.m. and I'm like, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is really happening. You know what happened for me is I was in bed and I had all the windows open because it was hot, right? And everything starts shaking aggressively. Oh, the wind. And, you know, that was kind of, uh, I got up, I shut everything down, I went to bed, didn't hear anything. <laughs> you look, you sound like a big sleep. Like, you sound like you're a deep sleeper too, you know? I feel like you're the type to not wake up despite anything happening around you. Um, sometimes. <laughs> I wake up every two hours. I'm a piece of shit. Um, uh, for basketball, you know, Sam, it feels like uh, – oh, well, you know what? Actually, before we get into it, lottery show, Warriors lottery show this Thursday. 
I'm, I'm excited. I think this is like the first time that we've done live video, Sam, I think. Yeah. I mean, we Ooh. were always planning to do a live lottery party, probably at a bar. And then, uh, and then, you know, the pandemic hit, um, you know, I, the gods above us heard that we were trying to expand to live shows and they're like, nah, I can't let that happen. Had to immediately send down the plague. Um, but I think this will be a good alternative. It'll be fun. So we'll put out some details on the timeline in the next couple of days. But uh, the, the idea is we're going to go live immediately after the lottery. So 6 p.m. Thursday, uh, we'll be taking your questions. It'll be streamed live on YouTube. Put questions in there and it'll be fun. It's, uh, and we're going to save a lot of money because I'm not paying for 25 shots. Um, for for each person so no it's exciting i you will have a did you mention the special guest i think you did um we'll, we'll have someone on uh i don't maybe know man multiple like multiple guests maybe maybe, maybe multiple oh, guests geez. not enough andy and sam you know we gotta bring more people on i it's dude it's been like eight months of this man we've been waiting for this any any warriors content is gold we're ready to provide it i know i'm just so excited to know where they pick and then we can have a just a little more concrete discussions. It's less like, should they take Anthony Edwards? Well, I don't know. They might have the fourth pick and not have a shot. So we don't have to talk about Anthony Edwards anymore, you know? So um, just a little more finality, getting a little closer, although who knows if they'll ever play next season. <laughs> um, and it'll be good. Uh, yeah, man. I- I'm excited. Actually, I got a funny story for you. Uh, we're going to, we're going to go some, uh, you know, some golfing this weekend. Is that, is that what's going on? Yeah, that's the plan. We're going to meet Sam and I are going to play 18 we're pivot, holes. We're pivoting to golf. <laughs> I, watched a, NBA, I, I watched Colin. I watched Colin. The NBA Moore. ratings are in the toilet. We got to pivot to this is a golf pod now. Well, Maury Call won the majors. He's like 23 years old. He's the, one of the first youngest people to win the majors outside of Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods and, that other guy, McElroy. That's a pretty good. Uh, it's a pretty good company. Not bad. Company. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. So now I'm a golfer. So yeah. yeah. Hey, by the way, um, for for those that do golf, never been able to to hit a driver straight. Never. So I, no matter how far the course is, your boy is seven ironing seven ironing it the whole way through. And I know uh-huh. Sam's gonna. You know what? Part three, I might use a pitching wedge off the tee. Like that's that's what I might be doing. <laughs> So I hit up the driving range last week with my buddy Scott and, um, you know, I don't, I don't golf. Uh, it's kind of one of those things like we should just start doing this a little more regularly because there's nothing else to do. And so we go to driving range thinking, you know, I'm not going to hit up a golf course. Like I need to hit the driving range a few times just to feel comfortable swinging. And so I get there and I'm like, I don't know what should we get like 50 balls each. And we go, uh, he's like, no, screw that. We get to get the max. It was like 200 each. I didn't really have any context for how much that was. The next day, oh, I don't think my shoulders hurt that much, which is by the way, also a sign I have no clue how to swing. <laughs> I was, how do your shoulders hurt? You would think maybe your knee or your back, but geez, oh, how, both. Are, you, lower, how lower, are you swinging this thing? Lower back and left shoulder. I'm a yeah. lefty, by the way. That's the other part. So oh. hard to find lefty clubs. I found some like crappy three wood to swing with. And then anytime I hit it straight, you know, I had to keep going to like prove I could do it. And you know how that goes. It's like you hit one straight, you feel really good about yourself, and then you shank like 10 in a row. And 
long story short, I talked with uh, another friend of mine who's actually like a serious golfer, like, you know, like multiple times a week. He's like, you hit how many? I don't know. I don't usually go more than 40 or 50 off the driving range. It's, it's just, you're going to hurt yourself. I'm like, Oh God. So long story short, I have no clue what I was doing. I was just limping around with my back and shoulder hurting afterwards. The shoulder should never hurt because you shouldn't be using your shoulder, but you know how it gets when you get out there and you see people who you deem, uh, smaller or less athletic looking than you driving it farther. And so like the ego comes into it and you're like, I have to at least be able to hit this a respectable distance. And it just leads to you hurting yourself. The the best part is Sam not wanting to admit how far short that he hit uh, the, <laughs> the ball. We'll leave, we'll leave that to chance. By the way, there was one time when I was hitting the range, I hit like, so you hit 200. Yeah, it's a shit ton. Usually I'm, I'm you know, keep it under a hundred, even a hundred is too much. Like my hands get all calloused and I don't like having calloused hands. But um, one time I was so bored because we were hitting like 200 balls. Um, and this isn't the one I think Berlin game driving range. It's just like really nice, especially at night. Right. And uh, I started just messing around and hitting like, two or three balls at once obviously fucking amateur hour so looking like an asshole with people who are actually wanting to be at the range so i wanted to, like I, I put three you can balls tell together pretty, you can tell pretty quickly who golfs and who's there to mess around <laughs> with just drink i smacked this one with three balls and it went straight back into or pal- parallel i guess straight into my calf uh i never hit <laughs> i never hit more than uh more than one ball at a time again. So there's your golfing. Uh, we're giving people golfing let's lessons. Go, let's, oh, I feel let's like go for, I think what we have to do is when we do actually um, uh, go hit this weekend, we'll, we'll give some people some content to see how terrible we are. <laughs> With all that said, lottery on Thursday. Uh, we we started with it. I'm a little excited here, man. It's we finally have. We will finally know where the Warriors pick. We will finally know. Yeah. Uh, also, Bob Myers came out with some comments too that were interesting today. But it just—I think we spent so much time saying, you know, if Devin Fassell is there at eight, the Warriors should just trade down and see if they can get Devin Fassell. Now we can change our discussion, Sam, for the next few months of every single day talking about who the Warriors can get with the second pick. Now it's, you know, if the Knicks fall in love with Wiseman, the Warriors, what if the Warriors have to decide between Wiseman and Edwards? What if they get stuck with LaMelo Ball? Do they trade out and then end up with Tyrese Halliburton, who they like more? I'm excited to be able to at least hone in on what we can talk about every single day for two months because that's what we're I'm just excited to talk about it because we'll be slowly getting back to relevant basketball and just generally anything to do with, you know, this whole year's obviously it's a little bit of a gap year. We, we all know that they're kind of, you know, they, they tanked it up this year. So, so now we'll get to see what the next pieces are. So, so we got some interesting stuff here. Bob Myers evoked Moneyball, some funny quotes. Um, I got to read one of them for you. There's so much math to everything. The notion of what used to be maybe 10 to 15 years ago, you look at that scene in Moneyball where they're all sitting around the table and you've got some old scouts commenting on a guy's girlfriend, looks like, and then Billy's sitting there with his assistant GM and they're processing on base percentage. I think it's somewhere in the middle of that. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if I should feel good or bad about that quote. I don't know. Where are you at? Um, 
First of all, I don't even know why he brought up Moneyball, which is which is interesting to me. That's uh, because the A's are still the most important team in all of sports. All right, um, Aqua. I mean, I guess you could make a case impact, for that. Actually, impact. Yeah, no, no, they'll, they'll never win, but they did change the way everyone does everything with sports. Sorry, that's I what be, I assumed I you meant. I got to be a pessimist because I can't lean into that this being their year because they'll just find a way to kick me in the nuts. And well, you've never, you've never been the. When I, at least when I talk to you, the uh, you know I, I'm I've done it plenty of times where I just flaunt the uh, Giants championships. You've never done that, um, although maybe that's because they don't win championships. Um, if, so, if one, I mean, it was early in my lifetime, but that in my lifetime. <laughs> if I wasn't born, doesn't count to me. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't. To me, I, well, I always talk about this. I always revere the way that Daryl Morey goes about building a basketball team. And really his thought process on building a basketball team. Some of it doesn't work. We've made fun of it a lot when it doesn't work. And I've always thought Bob Myers is on the opposite side of the spectrum. So to me, Bob Myers is really good at knowing what type of players are kind of the players that you want on a basketball team. Right. I, I think he's been very good at picking the guys that are just good people. Iguodala, uh, Livingston, uh, really anybody else, especially on down like David Wes, Alza Pachulia. All that, but to me, the one that's been lacking for the Warriors is finding kind of like the the rare. We talk about Daniel House a lot, or really have a system that makes those players, even the crappy ones, good. Um, I think a lot of it. What's that? I said functional. Yeah. And to me, the Rockets have always done a good job, and that's what Farhan Zaidi is good at, right? That's what the A's have been really good at. That you know, we talk about the Giants, but they've never really been good at. Um, and I think that the Warriors probably needed to be good at that a couple of years ago, but now they really do because they really have the options to get there with traded player exception, NBA draft, all of that. Um, and I don't know what's wrong with using. I feel like there's some part of the Warriors that feel like they're above everyone else where they feel like, well, the league's turning analytics. So we don't really want to do all of that and admit that we want to do all of that. You know, like it doesn't it feel like they always want to act like that. They're smarter than anyone that rubs me the wrong way. Cause I don't know if you are. Yeah, there is a level of thinking they are ahead of everyone and smarter than everyone that's a little arrogant. One thing I will point out, like the Iguodala move was perfect because Iguodala's skill set uniquely amplifies Steph and Clay. Like, there's nothing better than having a high IQ passer who can defend and doesn't want the ball in his hands next to Steph and Clay. But I think the one thing we all take for granted is Steph was cheap. Clay was even cheaper because he was on a rookie deal. They had a lot of money to find the right kind of players. Now they really have to be creative. You know, um, someone said to me, hey, man, it's easy when your star player makes mid-level exception money. It's a lot harder when you're paying like, Harden and Westbrook max contracts and you're like trying to figure out how to put the best possible team around them on a budget and that's kind of where the Warriors are at I don't think it's impossible but it's something we haven't seen yet we know that if their core is healthy next year they'll be competitive they'll be in the mix but those margins are the difference between them being like the Denver Nuggets and being a contender the the Nuggets are fun, by the way. Great Nuggets and Jazz game. We'll get into later. Um, I feel like they play the same game every time they play. Um, but I look at 
we like to talk about the Giants. Let's talk about the good part of it, where they find Yastrzemski and uh, Alex Dickerson and kind of these guys where they have they don't have a star because the core system sucks the last couple of years. Or they so just don't have I mean, their whole thing is like they're hoping that their farm will produce it in two years. But yeah. And, and you know, I'm sure Zaidi will figure it out in a couple of years. But right now he's good at figuring out how to get those marginal players, even like Donovan Solano. Um, and that's the comparison I'm looking at, especially if you're talking about Moneyball, especially because the Warriors are going to have to find, like, it's Steph, Wiggins, Clay, Draymond, 95%. They're probably going to be the starting four. Now, who are you going to find with the vet men? Who are you going to find with the mid-level? Are you going to – I look at Jacob Evans, especially when you're looking at the draft. Also, we'll get into this because I look at it, and to me, it's are you using analytics, whatever quote-unquote analytics that they're using, to find the best fit, the best player, or both? Because to me, Jacob Evans is them saying, or just the I'm going to find the best process. fit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that, right? All of that. Because like Jacob Evans to me is like, well, we'll just find the best fit. And we're just going to say he's a 16-game player, guys. Sam, like, what, what was – like, it sounded cool at the time, didn't it? It sounded cool. Yeah. Now it, sounds like- it's, it sounds cool when you're two-time champs. It, it sounds less cool when you're picking the top of the lottery. Um, and he's also out the league in half a year, you know? You're right. It's, it's going to be interesting because – there's a lot of uh, arrogance with them, particularly in focusing on what players can't do as opposed to focusing on what they can do and trying to find guys who have maybe undervalued skill sets that they can amplify. Like the one thing the Rockets do really well is find guys who do specific things well and then find a way to maximize it. Ben McLemore is a prime example. Cool. Kind of a washout for most of his – just a perennial disappointment, right? And they're like, you know, I think he can shoot, and we put him in our system and ask him to just shoot and put energy on defense, and he's had a really good year for them. Is he yes. a game changer? I, I don't know. He's going to win him a few games. He's going to hit five threes in a playoff game. I guarantee you that. He's going to have a game where he scores 18 points in 15 minutes. But even if he doesn't, it's he's going to help you win regular season games. And right now, that's more important for the Warriors, in my opinion. You still need to be a top seed. You don't want to go – no, maybe they're still in the bubble next season. It doesn't matter. But you still want to be a top two or three seed. Right. Um, and So, that, you know, so let, me, let me give you yeah. the counter then. The counter is Kerr's system. He, he is Phil Jackson. He is Greg Popovich, where he wants well-rounded decision-making players and – he'd rather take the guy who's a B at everything than the guy who has one A plus skill and is a C at everything. Um, and I see that. I just think going forward, they're going to need a mix of those. Like, yes, yeah. you do need a, um, they do need a couple more high IQ pieces. Like we've talked about Marcus all ad nauseum. I don't think anyone, Every needs, podcast. I don't think anyone needs us to sell them on why Marcus all can be a player to amplify the system to be just the perfect center to pass and shoot and do all those things. Yeah, you, you can get that. But what about finding a shooter off the bench who can give you 10 to 15 solid minutes a game? Is that going to be Damian Lee next year? I don't know. Probably not. But, um, but, but Sam, what if, what if they can get Terrence Ross and Terrence Ross is really only good at shooting and probably not that great at anything else? Let's just say. Yeah, exactly. right? I mean, he's a heat like, check guy. Yeah, but... For example, that guy is perfect for the Rockets, right? And and it's an easier system to build shitty player. Well, okay, rotational players into fringe players into. Do the Warriors want to do that? Because I don't know if they do. And that's why when you talk about Moneyball, to me, it's like 
I don't know if the Warriors want. I don't know if Steve Kerr wants to do that. I don't know if he wants to lower his system. I don't know. Is is that what I'm going for? Into something Simplify. like simplify, yeah. like right? He doesn't because he wants to be known as kind of like the 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 rich man's or the high IQ, the Ivy League system. Like they want to be known as the Ivy League. And and I don't know. Sometimes you got to take a SF State guy, UC Davis guy. You know, sometimes you got to take a UC Davis guy into your system. <laughs> I think I think they need a mix of it, and it's going to be exciting to see what they do. Um, I think we're coming across a little pessimistic here. Uh, I think there's reason for that. I, the bigger thing I'm worried about is the last few years they haven't shown amazing propensity to find guys who can give you minutes. Like McKinney, it didn't work. Um, Quinn Cook, marginal at best. Um, well, th- those guys worked only when you had, you know, like, four. well, yeah, but I mean, you know how, I mean? Many, how many, I mean, exactly. a lot of guys can work when you put them right. next to three exactly. guys or four guys like that, you know? So that's my point. Um, they're going to need to start looking at different things. And in my opinion, I, or I think you're getting at the same point. They probably need to be a little more flexible schematically, like to prioritize talent, to make talent work. And I think that, okay. So I don't want Isaiah Thomas. Okay, I understand why he's not a good fit, and he's probably not even a good basketball player at this point. But I think Isaiah Thomas' type of player is what the Warriors should consider. Obviously, you want to develop someone like Jordan Poole to be a really good basketball player, and if he gets there, he gets there. But I think they have to look at someone like that, and that's why MT is always talking about someone like Jamal Crawford or even like Rodney Stuckey, who I don't know. But like, <laughs> shout out Rodney Stuckey, shout out yeah. right. But like, those are the type of players where you're like, you might have to. Take away some of your system, Steve Kerr, to kind of incorporate those guys because they're good basketball players, and the Warriors need more of that. Here, here's the and and here's the secondary thing. Um, they tanked this year, so someone like Eric Pascal got a lot of time, and we saw Eric Pascal is an NBA player. He's got a role. I'm not convinced he has a huge role, yeah, but he has a role. He can score at an NBA level. He's physical. I don't know if he'll ever defend well enough, and he definitely doesn't rebound enough. Like his rebounding gives me a little pause. Um, but at least they found that. But would they have found that if they had more vets and he didn't get to play? That's what I'm getting at. Can they can they both compete and develop at the same time? Because right now I don't know that they can. When they were competing for titles, they weren't developing guys other than Looney who fit a very finite role. Um, but now that they're kind of in an in-between phase for next year, like we know they have a core that can compete, but the rest of the roster, we're not sure. Where does it fit? Because if you go back to 2014-15, yes, the core was relatively young, but every other player on that team was a vet. Barbosa, Livingston, Bogut, obviously Iguodala. I mean – they were not giving minutes to rookies and second year players. Like Harrison Barnes was the youngest guy in the rotation there. And he'd already shown right. he was at minimum a good NBA rotation player. It was just a question of how good he was. So at this point, I, if your expectations are that you are the smartest team in the league or one of the smartest team in the league, I look at the Toronto Raptors who I love, love. I think I'm going to pick them to win the championship. They have Norman Powell's second round pick, OG Ananobi, who I think is mid to late first. Even Chris Ar- Boucher. Around 20th, yeah. Even Chris Boucher, who was an ex-warrior, by the way, undrafted. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, 
Um, I think he was also undrafted. Yes, he was. He's very undrafted. Very undrafted. And about to make 80 to $100 million. I think there's something to be said that I don't, I disagree with the fact that the Warriors can't develop players while they were great. Again, it's the past, right? Like what, what happens already happened. You can't change it. But to me, that just, it speaks to a, 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 a kind of rested on the laurels the, a little the bit. Warriors, too much. The Warriors would potentially say the pressure and the KD backdrop of free agency and more than anything, just, I mean, the top of that roster is so stacked, made it harder for young guys to come in and feel the space. They would point to someone like McCaw, who I think you and I both agree, McCaw's talented, but he had a, he'd get a little nervous time to time. Like he didn't want to take a shot because on one side he had KD on the other side, he had Clay Thompson and you have to be a really confident guy to just take shots away from those guys. And I think they would, they would say that. I I don't think that's the case of next year's roster. I think Steph and Clay are probably at a place where they don't need to prove anything in the regular season. They're not interested in playing for stats. They just want to win. Uh, and you don't have KD there either, which for better or worse, and it's probably for worse because it's probably better to have KD than not. <laughs> um, it, you know, that's that's 18 to 20 shots a game that a star is not getting. My point is there's going to be a little more opportunity now um, given that they just won't have the high-end talent that they had in the past. And the high-end talent they have is probably in a different phase in their career. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Yep. All right. Um, so before we get to the questions, I want to talk about this, Sam, because Bob Meyer says something interesting. He want, and I think is interesting. He wants someone to help them now, and he wants someone to help them later. Right? To me, that's very different from them saying what they said after drafting Jacob Evans. Very different. Top thirty versus top five. But I think the changing, the the thinking has changed. It makes me think, Sam, if they have a top two pick. They're not looking at they're not looking at it to be cute. They're not looking to trade back and get Devin Vassell or trade back and get Denny Avdia. To me, that tells me I think they just want the most talented player. I mean, they should. I would be livid if they go for like functional fit at the number three overall. Yeah. I mean, Unkongo may be the third or fourth best player in this draft, and he may warrant the selection. I just don't want the selection to be made on the basis of this guy can help us next year. And that's where that's where they're both in a great spot and a confusing spot. They're in a great spot because like it, it sucks to be the Knicks or the Cavs where you don't know if you have anyone on your roster worth building around. You know, you're hoping maybe RJ Barrett or Darius Garland will be good, but you don't know. Um on the flip side, the Warriors obviously Steph's 32, Clay's 30, Draymond's 30. Uh they don't want the four-year project that's coming into his own when they're all done either. So it's a little tricky, um, but I think it's exciting. By the way, uh, it is funny to me that these reclam- uh, reclamation projects you talked about just hit me with the Houston Rockets and Macklemore. Um, that's great. A great one. I think it's funny that the Warriors are doing something similar, except they're paying a shit ton more money. Like Andrew, obviously Andrew Wiggins better, but like, my Lord, they're paying him 30 plus million. They can't wait to get rid of his contract that nobody wants. Right. That's, yeah. it's, it's a little funny. That actually reminds me. I want to, can I pivot to this real quick? Someone yeah. in, um, in the discord 
ask this question. Hearing a lot of, if Wiggins is our third best player on the floor next year, watch out, talk lately. In your opinion, what actually is a realistic expectation, both overall impact and numbers-wise, of what it looks like on a regular basis? What the hell does third best option on the floor even mean? Offensively? That mean, yeah, that means you're, okay, Steph and Clay are going to lead the team in shots and points. Wiggins, obviously, I mean, he played with Towns. Towns is a phenomenal offensive player, but like point guard play, creation, all this other stuff. Um, Minnesota ha- left a lot to be lacking there. Often they wanted him to create a shot in a way that he's just not good enough to, right? Yeah, it's like Josh Richardson when he was a point guard for Miami. For some reason that popped in my head, but yeah. Sure. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> I don't know, because I and- like him. He's a good player. And then, um, but now it's like, all right, you, I can't think of a better situation for Wiggins than a ball movement system, the two greatest shooters of all time, one of whom attracts more defense than basically anyone. And Ever. and he kind of can play that third fiddle role who probably has some explosive games here or there. Uh, yeah, let's start with that. What would you consider a realistic best case for Andrew Wiggins next year? I- <laughs> Well, I think we talked about this before. Above 30 pipe, th- the three-point percentage is the most important part to me. There's literally nothing else. Um, yes, defensively. I actually believe in him more defensively after watching like four games uh, of or however many games he played with the Warriors. 12. Uh, I, th- I, think it's the, I, I think it's the shooting. It's the three-point shooting. If he can get it above 35, the higher it is, closer, the better. But like, I think if he get 35 and maybe inch to 37, I think that's really all you can ask for offensively and the other question to me also is who are the other three third best options in the nba right now right like i look at the lakers i look at the clippers i look at the bucks who are their third best options if Stephen clay or players clippers have a lot of talent yeah, um they might have better but like but i don't think the clippers are going to win this year so it's not like they're the overwhelming favorites so i think to me it's like if you're talking Stephen clay as the best two options as as good offensively as any other team in the league I think Wiggins is probably just as good a third option. Uh, I think I just want to. I just want to see. I just want to see Wiggins play with intensity on a consistent basis. God, the bar's when low. He, when he no, I'm telling you, if he plays hard, I think he'll be fine next to them. Because, but isn't but, that like the bar? Oh, I know it's it's, it's a bad noise. bar. Okay, so he's when you're he, right. I'm pulling up the numbers right now. So uh, when he, I do agree with you. I'm I'm less concerned about the shooting, to be honest. Um, okay, so so what what do you think? Why do you here's, think here's he's a, not going to play hard? Here's here's a statistic for you. He averaged one steal and point six blocks a game in his career for the Warriors uh, in the twelve games he played, which is small. He averaged one point three and one point four, basically one and a half steals and one and a half blocks. If he does that sort of stuff, I'm going to be happy because. He's capable of it. He's athletic enough. He has good enough defensive instincts. And it, it's more of a staying locked in possession to possession deal for him on that end. Um, I actually think offensively he'll be fine in the system because he's he screams to me as a guy who wants to play in a system. He's not good enough to create his own shot on a consistent basis. And he doesn't strike me as someone who's dying to create his own shot on a consistent what? basis. He strikes me as someone who's happier to get 15 to 20 in flow and get like three to five assists playing in flow and passing it to Steph and Clay and Cutters and whatever it may be, then trying to prove he's a 25-point-per-game scorer. 
by um, the way, amazing point because I think that's how Steph and Clay are too. And I think that's why Steve Kerr loves Andrew Wiggins or likes Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think Steph and Clay, when they're feeling it, absolutely want to take every shot, but in a good way. Um, they're comfortable. Um, I mean, they get frustrated when their shot's not falling or they're not getting the shots they want, but they're willing to push through that frustration and commit to the system more than, let's just say, other star players who just kind of dominate the ball if things aren't going their way. Um, I think Wiggins, I think the big thing is, yeah, if he can keep, if he keeps the blocks and steals above one a game, that's a semi metric of engagement level for him. He's too talented or he, sorry, he's just too athletic to not average over a steal game on defense. Like he's shown he can have three to four steal games. Anything under one steal a game to me indicates laziness. You know, you, you can have games where you don't, but like if you're playing with consistent energy, you will rack up those, those things. From what uh, Sam sources have heard too, um, I think part of what was going on with Jimmy Butler and, and the whole, and the whole kind of shit show in Minnesota was not necessarily at Andrew Wiggins, but more so everyone else on that team. So I think a lot of people watch that and say, oh, Jimmy Butler this and that, and the whole team is lazy and suck, and maybe they do suck, but I don't think it was mainly directed at Andrew Wiggins. And I know it's funny to say, you know, the guy, he just, you know, what's the guy's name in Minnesota? Glenn something? was Glenn Taylor. Glenn Taylor was like, oh, you got to try harder and we can give you the 300 million or whatever you gave him, right? And and it's funny to say, well, Andrew Wiggins said that and that he didn't try harder. But I think you're right with regards to he's not the type to want to be Jimmy Butler and be the number one option, especially which is, by the way, why he's option, which is, by the way, why he's not a max player. I don't think he's enough of a self starter to be a max player. Oh, okay. I think in. Here's here's your hope. You think someone like Steph who leads with more positivity and a coaching staff like Steve Kerr and Ron Adams and Mike Brown, all those guys kind of focusing on like, I just want you to do certain things well, you'll bring the best out of him. To me, the best out of him is like, you know, 15 to 20 points a game efficiently. He'll have explosive games. He'll have those games where you're like, I don't know, he didn't really seem all that impactful but he'll be relatively efficient on the lower usage. He'll probably get three to four assists a game. Um, he's a, I don't want to call him a good passer, but he's not a bad passer by any means. He's definitely smart enough to make the right read. And then, like I said, the steals and blocks for me are a big thing with him. If he stays engaged, he should at least fill up the box score in that way. He should be a guy who gets you a lot of like 17 points, six rebounds, three to four assists, what two steals, one blocks, a lot of games like that. If everything Kyle, goes white, Kyle Kuzma, shut up. No, but I'm saying Kyle Kuzma, Eric Bledsoe. These are your, these are your third option comments. Is this what you're trying to get at me? You're trying to say, can he be as good as Kuzma? Can he be as good as Eric Bledsoe? Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, I don't. I don't necessarily like that comp, the, the way you're getting at it, because those teams are built a little differently than the Warriors. But you didn't like the Kaku. You didn't like the Kaukuza. Kuzma. Kuzma's looked decent enough. I know, that, isn't like, that crazy? I have to kind of hold off of it. Yeah. Andrew Wiggins or Dion Waiters. Um, all right. Well, before we move on here, let's. I'm going to do a few reads. Um, so Blue Wire has partnered 
with football. Uh, Sunday ticket. Sunday Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFL Sunday ticket.tv. You can stream every live out of market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and Direct TV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. So no matter where you live, NFL Sunday ticket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BlueWire at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFL Sunday.tv. Use promo code BlueWire. Niners offense looks fantastic. All right, next one. Ooh, we got a good one, Sam. We got Thera one CBD. So I'm a huge, uh, huge CBD user. Uh, okay. The first sentence really, really proves the point. So from tight muscles, tough, tough workouts, signs of aging, simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit for uh, from Thera one CBD products. Started by Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. This started with the revolutionary TheraGun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. So he created TheraOne um, to bring you CBD products done right. So a lot of CBD products claim organic, but still coming, but still contain up to 30% filler. And these fillers are potentially toxic. They're one test their products four times before they get it to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the US, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. So use Thera One's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th. So we got a couple weeks here. Thera One. Is offering our listeners a buy one get one free for all Thera One products, but if uh, but you've got to go to theragun.com/slash/bluewire. Theragun.com/slash/bluewire. If you don't love what you get from Thera One, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something Thera One is likely to do again, so please buy one get one now. Theragun.com/slash/bluewire, but only until Labor Day, so three weeks. Go right now. Theragun.com/slash/bluewire. Wow, I'm sorting up a storm. This humidity's gotta stop. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I don't, I don't sweat. By the way, I'm like, I'm not a sweat guy, but uh, oh, we, no, yeah, we're different that way. Um, I, thought you, I, thought, I thought you were gonna say no, you are, and I was like, wait, how would you? Like, no, that's not me. <laughs> nope, maybe, quite maybe the it's a Persian thing. Maybe it's a Persian thing versus that's a Chinese it's a, thing. It's a body hair thing, but yes. Um, yeah, look at mine. Let's let's move into this. So lottery preview Thursday. All right, what's the best case scenario for the Warriors? Obviously, it's winning the lottery. I don't even think there's a question here. Like, I don't know that I want the number one pick in terms of yeah. this draft kind of sucks, but like, I want the Warriors to have the optionality to, to make the decision they want to make here. I want to I ask you this, though. Do you think that the Warriors kind of do want like the third pick because they want just no, the, no pressure? Yeah. Like part of me with with Bob, okay, maybe secretly they don't, but Bob Myers, some of the comments where it was like, well, people remember when you have a number one pick and bust, but they don't remember when you have the number five pick. I think he's hitting like the draft sucks. So he's trying to hedge his bets and say, like, well, everybody sucks. And you're gonna it's gonna look bad if we have the number one pick, but don't forget, everyone sucks. And it's just like, all right, we don't a need li- the hedge. A little bit, yeah. Um, actually, you were you were getting That's to this per expectations, by the way, in the beginning of the season, which I was not a fan of. No, the sad boy tour sucked. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're getting that here. Where, where do we see somewhere that more Wiseman hype? 
We're back on uh, Wiseman week. I am back on Wiseman week. I love James Wiseman. I think I love. I now love James Wiseman. My previous argument was that positional versatility as well as positional scarcity uh, makes it so that you always, always, always want to find a playmaker or a wing. But I'm looking at this draft, man, and I'm looking at it, and I'm I just I don't see it. Even my guy Danny Fdia, I don't see it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the Wiseman thing's tricky for me because I I do tend to side with you that going with the wing or a playmaker is probably the smarter move. But then you hear about a seven footer who can potentially shoot from outside and defend the rim. It's really like you, how many times you run through in your head the scenario where they pass on him because for whatever reason, and he turns into Miles Turner or Chris Bosh, and then you just are just upset because those are literally the perfect players to go with the Warriors score. Well, I look at I look at JJJ. That's kind of like the guy I look at now who, like, I had no idea going into the draft. But, like, that's the guy. I watch him put the ball on the floor, Sam, and I watch right. him get to the bucket, and then I watch him shoot threes and make threes. And defensively, it's like, okay, he'll probably get to be good. Right. And he's I look good. at that and I'm like, my God. He's got defend. He knows how to defend. He just yeah. fou- he fouls too much, which is a young player thing. Because he's 18 years, 17 years old or whatever he is. But you know what I mean? Like, my God. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. That's a, that's a thing. Like, you, you can talk yourself out. It, those physical tools and what he can do, it's just, it, it's so hard, particularly in a draft where it's not like there's a Zion or a Tatum. Or, you know, someone where you're like, that's the guy. So you keep going back to the physical tools. Um, Chris Bosh. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think it'll be Chris Bosh, but like, I don't know, man. You guys see a seven footer can shoot a little yep. bit, and I don't know if he can shoot. I know he makes free throws. I know he has solid form on his jumper, but there's a difference between having solid form and being able to hit him in NBA games. Yes. And, it's the perfect situation. If James Wiseman's going to go to the Cavs, he's going to fail. If James Wiseman goes to the Knicks, he's going to fail. If James Wiseman goes to the Warriors, he has a much higher chance with the Warriors than any other team. Now that goes for also Anthony Edwards. But I and, think and that's Denny why you Dia. and then if I think well, I don't know, but I I think it's just if you're the Warriors, if you're Bob Myers and Joe Lacob and Kirk and Kent, whoever the hell else, Mike Dunleavy, I think if you you got to take advantage Shout of Shout out Larry Riley. You got to take advantage of Steph, Clay, and Draymond, not just because they're good, but because you're never going to put someone in a better environment. Because five years from now, if, if and when Steph Curry retires, and you've got James Wiseman, who's now picked up everything that he's needed from that from that core, right? Then he's you at set. least have something, yeah. Yep, yep. So. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I, I don't think there's much more to talk about the lottery preview. It's kind of like, what's the best case scenario? Getting the higher pick. What's the worst case scenario? Getting the lower pick. You know, like... It is what it is. I'm just excited to know where they pick so we can actually get into the nuts and bolts. And we'll Finally. Do, we'll do that on Thursday. Um, all right, let's move this forward. Today was day one of the bubble playoffs, man. I got to get some of your takes. We got we to hear where, where are you at right now? I picked I picked the Bucks to win the East, and I kind of lean towards the Bucks winning the championship. Obviously, I would like it to be the Rockets because it's funny. But, Sam, even if it is the Brooklyn freaking Nets, that defense, I haven't seen as good since we watched the 2016-17 Warriors team locked in with Draymond, Kevin Durant, and Andre Iguodala. And Klay Thompson. Sorry. Let's um, talk about why they're so good, though. 
I think that's the more interesting thing because outside of Lowry, Gasol, and Ibaka, like everyone there's a Maasai draft pick, right? Um, and I'm not saying that's nothing. Like Kyle Lowry is a proven defensive quantity. Marcus Gasol, obviously a proven defense. But all three, those three guys are proven quantities and that matters. But like, I mean, let's be real here. Siakam, 27th pick. OG Ananobi, 22nd, I want to say. I'm going off the top of my head. So if I'm wrong, please correct me. I might have been 18th or something. Van Vliet, undrafted. Um, Hollis, Je- Hollis Jefferson, waiver wire guy. Yep. yep. Norm Powell, they drafted in the second round. Matt Thomas, I don't know where the fuck he came from. <laughs> um, Terrence Davis, second round pick. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can keep going down the line. My point is, if we want to d- talk about the Warriors, isn't your hope that they can figure out what the Raptors did, which was exceptional draft and development? Yep. 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 Particularly on that end. That, I, th- I don't think a lot of people would have suspected OG and Nobi and Pascal Siakam to be as good as they are. And... Um, I, th- I think when you go back to it, like they, they, they all had physical outlier gifts. So maybe that says the Warriors should really prioritize length and guys who metrics really value in terms of steal rate and block rate, because I think that's a big thing for both of them. In fact, our guy Draymond was a, uh, was a big steal rate guy. Like people, um, not people, uh, right. He, uh, you know, it was assumed he couldn't defend, but all his college stats just showed like two steals, two blocks every game, that type of thing. And lo and behold, he gets the NBA. And despite the fact he's not the tallest guy or the um, fastest guy, I mean, he's quick, but he's still racking up those steals and blocks because he has instincts and you can't teach instincts. We've watched Kerr try to teach him. Can't teach him. (laughs) You know, we yeah, we watched him try. I mean, I'm, just, I'm just looking at like Siakam's stats at college right now, and it's like one steal, two and a half blocks, and whatever minute, you know, 30 minutes a game. Like he had high, he had the same high steal and block rates, and Anobi is the same thing. So maybe, maybe we should be looking at that stuff. Um, one of the smartest front offices that you can have, uh, by the way, that DeMar DeRozan trait was panned, uh, at least by the players. Uh, and honestly, like, no brainer trade, right? And he ran that risk by Cal Lowry, who wasn't happy, essentially. Um, but, you know, I think I've spent a, or we've spent a lot of time kind of gassing up the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, man. They were, I mean, as a team, they're just hard to compare defensively. They know how to, not, not only do they have the physical gifts individually to defend, but they defend as a unit. Now, I have a lot of faith that the Warriors were able to find the right guys Kerr, Mike Brown, uh, Ron Adams, coming back. all those guys, they can figure out how to scheme it up. But as we've seen, they can't scheme up guys who can't defend. You have to have the baseline skills to make it work. I look, yeah, you look at OG Nanunumi's lower body too, and you're like, Jesus, like this guy's built to be a four, even if he's a semi undersized, or at least a very, very strong three. Um, I don't see how they don't win the, or I don't see how they can't win the East. By the way, you see Boston, Jalen Brown got hurt, and Gordon Hayward's on crutches. So, I mean, your team might be done, which sucks because it's game one. But I don't, like, it that once not surprised me at all if the Raptors took it to the Bucs. Um, for all the reasons I love the Bucs, the shooting and the continuity, 
the Raptors have continuity in spades, and they have a defense that I think could win the title. Like they, they, that, they, they have that a title lockdown defense. Yes. They do. There's no way around that. Like I, there was a friend of the show, Tom Haverstrow, throughout the Warriors would like to trade uh, their pick and Wiggins for Siakam, and I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll trade Andy too. I'll throw in, I'll, I'll throw in Sheed. I'll throw in, um, you know, my all my followers. I don't really give it. You know, you can throw get in a, Strauss. Uh, Send, yes. send him to Toronto. You since he uh, since he hates the U.S. so much. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, I, <laughs> I well, but I mean it's not happening. Just to be clear, guys. But uh, but yeah, like the point stands in terms of the type of player that they would like. Yes, I too would like a Siakam or a Jonathan Isaac. So I guess the only question to me, my thoughts here on the first day of the playoffs, Sam. Do you think? Do you think? Because I assume that Pascal and and Kyle Lowry are going to be pretty good. Do you think Fred Van Vliet could legit be a first or second scoring option here, even in the NBA Finals? Do you think that, like, yeah, that's realistic? Because if it is, why aren't they the favorites? I do not. I think at the end of the day, they just don't have enough offense against the elite teams, but they might get deep into the Eastern Conference Finals. And if you're already there, man, you just need to hit shots for a couple games, right? Like, you, like all of a sudden, it's not about you not having enough all of a sudden it's like we just need to get through two games man you know i do i do think they can get to the eastern conference finals and i do think they can give milwaukee enough of a like it's not out of the realm it would it be i would pick milwaukee to beat them that that's my personal pick but i don't think it's um unrealistic for toronto to get it done yeah let's talk clippers Oh, I mean, the Clipper, I don't really even want to talk Clippers as much as <laughs> the Clippers are kind of a diatribe for my biggest reason. I don't think the bubble is legit, man. Hear me out on this one. The officiating sucks. And I think it's actually proving the NBA rule changes suck because the NBA rules, they keep putting emphasis on freedom of movement. So you can't defend. Now we all know it's hard to ref, especially when you have crowd noise, you can't see everything, and the crowd's on your ass, right? Now, with no crowd, they're able to call everything. And if literally, by the letter of the law, touching someone's a foul, you see all these ticky-tack fouls at all times. And I think it's terrible for the game. I don't think it's good when you can't play defense. I don't think it's good for the game to have games 125, 130 all the time and just chucking. I I agree because you ever heard, you ever read that there was an article that came out some it might have been ESPN but the refs are essentially judged on if they get the calls right or not by the letter of the law so if you right. look at kind of the spirit of the game or like that type of stuff right like if you're if you're a wrecking if you're uh, sorry refing like a rec league game and you're like you, you sometimes you just kind of do a makeup call or you do a block or a charge right right like yeah, okay you know I'm not gonna give this guy the fucking block like it's a rec league game like or sorry the charge it's a rec league game so I think like a lot of that you could probably do an NBA and I think fans would probably be okay with that so I'm with you that's not so you know happen. what you know why the league went away from that because everyone got conspiratorial that they were <laughs> they were fixing games for the Lakers in the early OOS like the most famous one is the the, the O2 game against the Kings. One of the worst officiated games I've ever seen. I still think it's fixed. But um, but I think the flip side of it is I don't think people want to watch this. I don't think it's good basketball. I actually forget what people want to watch. I just don't think it's good basketball. Like, 
the rules need to be a little more balanced. This is true, Sam, by the way. Sam looks fed up, by the way. This, this is true. This Ooh. is true. In, this is true in all sports. Let's just be clear on this one. Um, people don't like to watch 50 to 60 football games, right? It's cool every once in a while when you're like, oh my God, they just keep hitting these insane passes. But it has to be obvious that they're hitting insane passes. It can't be a case of like, the DBs yeah. can't touch them and just like pass interference down the field. It can't be like, it's one thing when like Pat Mahomes hits Kelsey or Tyreek Hill on insane passes. It's another, if he's throwing it up there and getting 30 yards on pass interference and they're just getting right. points like that. And that's how the NBA feels to me right now. It feels like you can't touch anyone. And if you do, they get 30 free throws. And, and that's not watchable either. There has to be It'll never be 50-50 even between the offense and defense. I don't think that's possible, but it has to feel like you, ha- you have to be able to defend as equally as you can score. Yeah. There's also a little bit too much where mediocre shooters are shooting too many threes. Kristaps right. Porzingis, Sam, is averaging like 34, 35% from three, and he's shooting seven of them in a game, and he's 7-10. Come on. Yeah. But then the flip side comes if you try to close hard on shooters, you're giving them free throws so that they can get up 10 to 12 threes a game. That's the other part that kills me. Like someone like Eric Gordon shouldn't be getting up 10 threes a game. And, but he can because if you contest, it's a, it's a flailing free throw every time. And what would you rather have? Would you rather give Eric Gordon 10 threes or 10 free throws? Obviously, give him 10 threes. He's going to go 9 of 10 from the free throw line. He might go two of ten from the three point line. He might also go six of ten, but you 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 know you, he's not going to go like five of ten from the free throw line. Maybe right. once every twenty games. Right. Um, all in all, though, Sam, I do want to say basketball has been pretty damn good in the bubble. Like at the very least, it's been entertaining. Like Damian Lillard, Devin Booker, and the Phoenix Suns going eight and zero. Um, I think the playoffs are going to be fascinating to watch. The Clippers have been hard to watch tonight, but the Mavericks have been fun all season. The Clippers, um, by the way, the Clippers have the energy of a team who's trying to win their third straight title. And I'm just, I'm just always like amazed. I'm like, dude, you guys haven't done shit. You okay, here, like, you guys act like you're all Kawhi Leonard. Like I'm tired. <laughs> like, how about that? How about this? How about this? Is that Kawhi Leonard's fault? Because Kawhi Leonard with the Spurs, Kawhi Leonard in with the Raptors last season, they weren't happy with it either. Again, they won, they put it together. So I don't know how much that matters. But how much is this on Kawhi Leonard? Yeah, I, I mean, I think we've said it. Kawhi, he's not a bad teammate, but he's also probably not the guy to rally the troops in that way either. You know what? Like that could be. Like, can you imagine? Like, like he's got like a second best player kind of mentality or uh, uh, that type of like um, vibe. But the fact he's is got, he's he's like got a, that he's got that personality while his game is the opposite. Alpha, yeah, yeah. His game, like I, I love that about him. Where he's just like, yeah, you guys are sucking. I'm gonna go hit 15 elbow jumpers in a row. <laughs> yeah, he just it, sometimes it just it feels like sometimes he's just like forcing the ball. Yeah, and then on a different level. On a different level, um, the Clippers are also just like the continuity is just awful with them. That's the thing that kills me. It's like you you can cons- you see these five minute spurts where they're good, and you're like, man, this team could be 
really good if they put like it all the together first, the first five minutes yeah but then it's just like and but then they don't do it for a full game and you know why they didn't do it for a full game because they never play together and then you just wonder like am i just buying in too heavily into what they're capable of or are they actually working towards becoming that team who can be the best team in the league yeah we will uh we will see we've got let's do some fun questions sam before we get out of here Oh, um, some more questions? Just a fun, just some rapid fire fun ones. I got one for you. Uh, Shafudo Yu. Uh, what's your favorite home cooked Persian food? Ooh, you're really going to ask me my favorite type of Persian food? Yeah, I think the people want to know. <laughs> uh, it's it's got to be, it's got to be, um, it's, it's obviously got to be some sort of kebab dish. It's got to be a little chili kebab. It's just a Sunday staple, just a plate of just pounds of rice and and kebab that's gonna be the number one thing for sure i can go into some other dishes Wait, what meat is that was that po- beef ask me beef, of course yeah <laughs> uh nate mosby would andy give up drinking to see the warriors win a title next season yes i don't i, I don't know what the uh, Sam, I'm, would calling, you? I'm, I'm calling bs on that one for you <laughs> uh logan murdoch can you slander bonte hill uh a little bit too much Farhan Zaidi slander in the last couple of days. A little bit, a little bit too much of the problem with a lot of SF natives or Bay Area natives going up and being fans of teams is you got to step back a little bit, man. Like the the Giants losing a couple of games to the A's and choking. It's really who cares? Look, it doesn't matter. What the Giant would you? The Giants would be ten and twelve versus eight and fourteen. Uh, what are we doing here? I don't understand the theatrics. You know, I, I'm glad I'm glad Bonte's passionate about his Giants, our Giants, your Giants. But I just think not that, hashtag not my Giants, not your Giants. <laughs> care a little, you just care a little too much, man. It's it's like the Warriors. Like if the Warriors were shit this season, I don't know if I care too much if they lose a big lead to Portland, because what difference does that make? Sure, it would have been nice if they won, but it doesn't matter. Calm down, All right, Bonte. All right. Um, but have- I'm seeing so many qu- I didn't see a bunch of these questions. Um, but yeah, we're getting into this. Uh, all right, how about this one from from Option Zero? Any reason to not bring back Gentry this summer? No chance he gets another head coach gig. Um, what do we think, Alvin Gentry? Where does he fit into the staff? Do they need him? Do they? Need I like. I, I just to be clear. Big fan of him as a coach, both as an assistant and a head coach. I thought he got a little bit of a raw deal in New Orleans, but such as – I mean, it's it's a brutal business, right? Um, he might just be one of those that are just aren't made to be a head coach. You know what I mean? I think like Robert Sala might be someone like that where it's like, I don't know if he could be a head coach. Great defensive head coach, though. But like I maybe with Alvin Gentry, we're like, yeah, I don't know if he could be a coach, but he's, gonna, he's a damn good offensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, what do you think he would do if they brought him in next year that they weren't getting this year? I think there has to be some type of, I don't know. And I don't know. I don't know. Truly. I don't know, but there has to be some pushback to how Steve Kerr runs, wants to run the offense. You talk about balance. I, I, I agree with you there. I think he's has got to. enough. He has enough gravitas to yes. question Steve. What's his name? Like Chris DeMarco is not going to question Steve Kerr. Um, and that has nothing to do with it. Like, honestly, I don't think any mid 30 year old assistant could question Steve in that capacity. Alvin Gentry has been a head coach. Alvin is in his 50. Is he 60? I think he's actually 60 now. Um, he's not afraid to question him and, um, it's always good. I don't think actually, I think that's one of Kerr's best qualities is he's not 
afraid to reconsider it, but you have to be able to challenge him. And I mean, he's, I don't want to say he's intimidating, but like, he's a very passionate about the way he views things. Um, I don't think it's always easy to challenge someone like that, you know, like just, just workplace dynamics. Think about if you have a boss who's that esteemed and accomplished and like driven by what they believe. It's not the easiest thing to question. Sometimes you need someone who's willing to question it. And Mike Brown, um, excellent coach, but he's always defense before offense. Like he's not, he's not going to be the one who's pushing Steve too hard on like considering other offensive schemes time to time. Yeah. He, Mike Brown kind of reminds me of kind of similar to Mark Jackson where, or that type of coach where it's just, or Thibodeau, where it's just like on offense, just do something basic and I'll work on the defensive side. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, and, and Steve's kind of that. And Rod Adams is, is mostly kind of maybe developmental, a lot of defense. And yeah, I was just very much in the nuts and bolts of the details of like, form of how you defend and some of the smaller stuff, which is very important by the way, but it's less, um, it's less big picture questioning. Cause he, he's from what I gathered, very happy to buy into uh, just do, he's more about, but doing it right than like the specific scheme. By the way, somebody Clay Stan uh, said that um, thank you, Andy, for putting me onto your name. Did not expect to feel the way I did. Big anime guy, you know. I'm pushing anime and K dramas this year to my to my followers, Sam, because there's literally nothing else to watch. Okay. All right. We, <laughs> do we, we do a, any more? Yeah. This one is Dame the second best point guard behind Steph. Oh. We talked about Dame on premium. Um, subscribe. You guys should subscribe because it was it was much better than this episode. But uh, no. <laughs> uh, I think so. I think. Well, it depends. Do you consider Luca point guard? No, I mean no. Come on. Then, then we were I, then we're saying LeBron's a point guard. In which case, LeBron's the second best point guard in the league. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? Um, I mean, then James actually, Harden is a point guard. <laughs> Jeez, like, this is know? interesting. Would you rather have Dame or Luca? For right now, not not like oh. obvious long term. Long term, this isn't a question because one of them's twenty one, and he's. And whoever you think is better right now, the margin's not big enough to justify the age difference. I'd rather have Dame. Uh, Dame's, oh, okay. at, Dame's at least one playoff series. Um, he's a better shooter, and I think just that that just and he's in more. his he's in like the middle of his prime. Like so. yeah, not not that Dame is like this. Un, like honestly, Sam, like here's a better one for you. You rather have Chris Paul or Dame right now? Like who's better? Ooh. I, I thought about that after. Premium. I think I'd rather have Dame. I but I do think wow. act, I actually think it depends on the team. I don't know that I'd rather have Dame if I had like let's say let's say I have Kawhi Leonard on my team. You know, someone who's like an unquestioned first option. I think I'd rather have Chris Paul. You know, not because um, Chris is you know a point guard whatever but like some of the margin stuff he does is much more valuable when you can count on someone else to be the guy to get you 30 dame unquestionably if you need someone to carry the offense like let's let's say you have um say you have pascal siakam okay who would you rather have dame or uh yeah that's this fall that that's an interesting one um the thing is i think i think Pascal Siakam, so oh, the good. A's just, the A's just blew it in the ninth. Nice. Love that. Uh, Sheed's not happy, though. Um, new A's fan, Sheed. I 
I think I think Pascal. I don't know if that that, that one because I think Pascal's so good that I don't think it matters. Um, I think you're you think thinking he's about taking enough of a step offensively that it doesn't matter. Yeah, I could I could I could see your point. What if it's Paul George? Ooh. Like, what if it's what if it's your guy Paul George? Who'd you rather have? Hashtag my guy. I'd rather have Steph Curry. Um, I, I think I'd rather I, have Chris. I, Paul. I think I'd rather I, have Chris I, Paul. I need to know who else on the team. Like, yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. It's it's close. I think I probably side Dame. I think Chris Paul. I think Paul George is better playing off of someone. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah exactly, exactly. I think we're. I think it's close. I don't know if we're talking like Dame is what like top somewhere between the fifth and 10th best score in the league. Right. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Something in that range. So if you're giving me one of the top five or six scores, I'll take Chris Paul. If you're giving me uh, one of those guys who's amazing on defense, I think I'd rather have Dame. Um, yeah. How about this? You have Clay Thompson. Oh, <laughs> um, I, I think I think I'll take Chris Paul. Um, because I, I think with the way that you want to leave Clay Thompson off ball and you can gear a lot of the offense towards Clay Thompson, I think with Dame, it's a little bit different. I think Dame has a little bit of James Harden in him to where if you can take him out of the game enough, he doesn't really help you enough off ball. And that's why Stephen Clay works so well together. Doesn't matter who you take out. They're amazing, both of them, off ball. Um, so I think that if it's Clay Thompson, you do want Chris Paul because he can get his 25, but he will help Clay get his 25. Um, so I think also defensively, Chris, Chris Paul and, and Clay Thompson defensively is a Woo! not, it's not going to be fun to go against. Why are we slurping Chris Paul? That's my fault. That's yeah. Yeah. Let's I want one more question. Then we we'll get right. out of here because we can't end on that. It's making me feel. It's um, oh boy. You're going to take this giants warriors one that I'm looking at. It's pretty ah, nasty. That's pretty nah. really nasty. <laughs> He's just asking for it. Um, all right. <laughs> Who are you taking in seven? Bubble Nets or Wiggins 1920 Warriors? All right, this is how we'll end it. Um, I don't think it's close. I do not think it's close at all. Karis LeVert is the best player on the floor, by the way, which I don't know how Karis LeVert's going to play with KD and Kyrie, especially with the system that they want to play. Uh, I think the Nets beat the shit out of the Wiggins Warriors. Um, and, and that's mostly because they have the best player. Yeah, they have, and Joe Harris is probably the second best guy. So they have they have at least six NBA players. The uh nineteen twenty Warriors without Steph Clay and Draymond had probably four. So just just a pure math equation. Six NBA players beats four NBA players. That's where I'm at with it. Um maybe four. Yeah, I don't even know if it's four. Uh, <laughs> By the way, even if Draymond plays, well, I guess he did play on the nineteen twenty Warriors. There's no chance that oh, guy here's signs a, up. He Portland, outside of the bubble. Portland has Dame, CJ, and Gary Trent Jr. Is there a better three guard combo in the league? All right. Okay. You know what? Let, let's end. With, let's end with this. Let's end with this. Let's end with this because that that annoys me. That question annoys me. I think you have to throw away some of the numbers that you're seeing in the bubble, Sam. Thank you. Thank you. Took yeah. you only an hour to get there. <laughs> there is a lot of I I enjoy the basketball, but there's a lot of AAU pick up YMCA stuff going on where I'm watching Portland's actually a perfect example because yes, they punt they, they punt defense. They're they're trying to win 135 134 and you know what happens when you score 135 points? Everyone puts up big numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's perhaps when we even talk about Damon Steph, what is one of the things that should be talked about and I don't think in a way that says we hate basketball, right? It just should be talked about in that uh, look this is the basketball they're watching. It's entertaining, but it's not real basketball to a point. It's fine. We can well, say I, that I, by not saying that it's shitty. 
It's all. not that it's not real basketball, but if you're, it needs to be contextualized and winning. If Steph scores 25 a game on a team that can defend and only allows 95 a game, is that not more valuable than the guy who scores 30 on a team that puts up 130 and allows 130? You know what I'm saying? Like everything has to be contextualized. The point is to win. It's not to put up numbers. Despite what they tell you on ESPN, the point is to win, not to put up numbers. Um, Ben, can you put that caption as the pod title uh, this week before we head out of here? I'll make sure that he does that. um, And we'll put that on a shirt. Should have got that up there earlier. Um, actually we'll get that out light years podcast shirt more interested in winning the numbers oh uh, all right man so we got the lotto coming on thursday uh yeah so we'll, we'll be back here thursday we'll do a live show you better get your hand figured out by then. <laughs> all right sam all right brother Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven time NBA champ Big Shot Bob, Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like with playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.